0: Hey, friends. I hope you're doing okay and staying healthy and safe during these extraordinary times. Over this past weekend, I got together with a friend I hadn't seen since March. We'd planned on meeting up at a park that's about a ten-minute drive from my home. And this wasn't the first time I'd walked through this park since the whole pandemic thing started. I'd been meeting up with my father every couple weeks to walk these specific trails. And while I am careful to always wear a mask inside any retail establishments, I have not been wearing a mask anywhere outdoors. Anyway, the friend I'd met up with at the park this past weekend, apparently, other than to go to his job where he's required to wear a mask and grocery shopping, had not gone anywhere for the last three months. He hadn't even realized the park that we were meeting at was open. Anyway, 9 a.m. this past Saturday. I get to the park, and the first person I see as I pull into the parking lot is my friend. He's wearing a t-shirt and jeans. His hands are firmly in his pockets. He's got a mask covering his nose and mouth, and he's wearing dark sunglasses. So dark, you can't see his eyes, and he's got a baseball cap on. He looked like a a fighter jet pilot with the visor down. Can you picture that? And, And here I am pulling up, Uh, in my shorts and a t-shirt, no sunglasses. And and I say to my friend through the driver's side window of my car, Hey man, good to see you. Uh, I do have a mask in my car. And if you'll only walk with me while I'm wearing it, uh, I'll put it on. And my friend says, no, no, it's fine. If you don't mind, I don't mind. And I say, okay, then I'm going to leave the mask in my car. And that's what I did. And everything was great. It was good catching up with my buddy. I I hope we can get together again soon. I, I will say, however, while my friend and I were walking those trails, I I felt particularly self-conscious. Anytime I'd be talking and I'd have to, like, clear my throat, like, I'd think to myself, I wonder if me clearing my throat is freaking him out, you know? But but otherwise, it was all cool. Uh, everybody has to make compromises, and uh, I, I love my old friends, and I, I miss them so being able to hang out with my buddy and catch up this past weekend was sincerely appreciated and speaking of things that are sincerely appreciated i sincerely appreciate you listening to this podcast this is uh the people are the enemy podcast in case you didn't know and i'm the host of this show my name is andy mascola hello new friends and old there's no patreon for this podcast uh, And there are no advertisements on this podcast. I would like to make you aware, however, that I am a published novelist with seven books currently available for purchase worldwide via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my novels in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. If you love to read and or you just want to help support myself and this show monetarily, please consider picking up one or two of my books. Thank you so much. I appreciate your consideration. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. The enemy listeners. This is episode 128 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you for spending time with me. This is awesome. And and if you listened to this podcast at all last month, thank you again. This little show had a great June with over 500 episode downloads. If you know me, then yet you most likely know that I'm not a numbers guy. But I'd be lying if I told you that I, you know, didn't give me a good feeling to know that. There's a definite audience for this program, and and it makes me sincerely happy to know you're out there listening. Thank you for supporting this podcast with your ears, with your hearts, and in some cases your wallets and purses. Thank you. You rock. Hey, I'm reading you part four of Car Partners today. This is a short story I wrote that I've been delivering as a bit of audio theater via this program. If you haven't heard parts one through three of this story you may want to check those out before you listen to Part 4. You can listen to uh, the me read Parts 1, 2, and 3 via Episodes 124, 125, and 126 of this podcast. What I'm going to do now is um, back up a bit into the end of Part 3 to kind of refresh the memories of those who have been following along, and uh, then I'll roll right into Part 4. Okay? So without further ado, I give you our partners, part four. As we near the third floor, we can hear Mark and Cheryl arguing. I turn to look at Jacob, his eyebrows raised as if to say, "Uh uh-oh. We both begin to walk up the steps slower, if only to try to make out what's being said. I don't give a shit, Cheryl says as Jacob and I ascend the last flight of stairs. You said you were going to handle this. This wasn't part of the deal does it really matter? Mark asks. Yes, it does. This is on you. I'm done. After today, I'm done, Cheryl says. Okay, okay, Mark says as he turns and sees us walking up the steps. Cheryl pushes past him and runs down the stairs, past us, turns and says, come on, we gotta go. Jacob and I look at each other, then at Cheryl. You and me, Cheryl says, pointing at me. He's driving you, Cheryl says while looking at Jacob and pointing to Mark. I turn and follow Cheryl downstairs and outside. As soon as we exit the building, she lights a cigarette. She's walking fast down the street. I'm struggling to keep up. We get in her brown Chevy Malibu, and she immediately starts the car and pulls out onto the street. Do I dare ask what that was all about, I say?" Cheryl groans and turns on the radio. I drink my bottled water and look at my phone. The voicemail message is still there, waiting for me to listen to it. I figure now is as good a time as any to check it, as there's no way I'm going to cry in front of Cheryl. I tap the screen of my phone and hold it to my ear. Hey, Greg's voice says, I feel really bad about what happened. I'm sure you don't want to see me right now. I took some of my stuff out of the apartment already. Let me know when I can get the rest of it. And that's the entire voicemail. I listened to it a second time, just to see if I'd missed the words, I'm sorry, somewhere in Greg's four sentences. But I hadn't. He never said those words. After about 20 minutes of highway driving, Cheryl takes an exit, and we're soon making our way slowly through a residential neighborhood made up of brown-style townhouses. I say slowly because there's a ton of traffic in this part of the city at this hour, and the traffic lights aren't helping. Cheryl lights another cigarette. Did my brother remember to text you your assignment this time? She asks. He did, I say. Cheryl looks carefully at each home we pass. Can you tell if we're on the odd or even side? I lean forward and look out the open passenger side window. Odd side, I say. It's 215, right? She asks. I check my phone. Yeah, number 215, I say. Is that 201? I squint. Yeah, yeah, 201, I say. The light up ahead turns red. We come to a stop. I can get out here, I say. Cheryl nods. Text me when you're done with the job, she says. I get out of the car with my water and shut the door. Hey, Cheryl shouts through the open passenger side window. Leave the water hand the plastic bottle back to her through the window and make my way down the street. I find 215, walk up the stone stairs, and ring the bell. A moment later, a woman who looks to be in her fifties opens one of the two forest green front doors. Car partners? She asks as she pushes an earring through one of her lobes. Yes, I say. Victoria Parks, the woman says, holding out her hand. Emily, I say, shaking Victoria's hand. Her grip is surprisingly firm but her skin is soft, and her nails are neatly manicured. Victoria wears a long black-and-white houndstooth patterned dress with heels that make a clip-clop sound as she walks ahead of me into her brownstone. Do you know what I need you to do for me? she asks, turning around. Uh, cupcakes, I say. Yes, she says, cupcakes. Are you creative? Uh, I used to be good at drawing, I say. Good enough, she says, laughing a little. The inside of Victoria's home is beautiful. Just inside the front door, morning light pours through a large three-sided window that looks out onto the street. The inside doors and molding are all made of oak with a dark, glossy finish. The wooden floor makes comfortable-sounding creaks as I follow Victoria through the parlor and down a hall lined with a long terracotta rug. The kitchen is clean, white marble, lit by three hanging lamps that resemble overturned wine glasses. All the appliances appear to be built into one wall. I've never been in a home like this. Okay, Victoria says, smiling and turning toward me. Here are the cupcakes, and here is the decorating kit, and here are the keys, she says, motioning to each item on an island in the middle of the gorgeous kitchen. My car is parked just outside. It's the only red Lexus SUV on the block. Put the cupcakes and the kit into the car and get started. I'll be out momentarily. Sure, I say. Do you want me in the back seat? I think that would make the most sense, Victoria says, tapping her chin with her finger. Okay, I say, nodding my hands on my hips. I'll see you outside, Victoria says as she disappears around a corner. I put the car keys in my front pocket, pick up the four boxes of cupcakes, and walk back down the hall to the front door. I'm about to place the boxes on a small table in the parlor when a young woman in glasses and a plaid pantsuit appears. I've got the door, she says. Thanks, I say. The woman looks like a younger version of Victoria, and I assume this to be her daughter. I walk out of the brownstone and down the steps with the cupcakes. I find the red Lexus easily, and place the boxes on the hood while I unlock and open the rear door. I put everything inside and walk back to Victoria's home. As I pass one of Victoria's neighbors... I see in the window two Siamese cats lounging on one of those cat condos that resemble a treehouse covered with carpet. One of the cats is cross-eyed. I walk up close to the glass. The cross-eyed Siamese appears to be looking at me from the other side, though it's hard to tell. I jump slightly when I hear what sounds like a man clearing his throat. I look up to see an older gentleman staring at me sternly from inside, his arms crossed over his chest. Sorry, I say, smiling and backing away, returning to Victoria's home. The young woman opens the door for me as I walk up the steps. I was just admiring your neighbor's cats, I say. Cute, right? The cross-eyed one, the young woman says. Yes, very cute, I say, walking inside. I don't think the cat's owner appreciated my admiring them. Oh, yeah, that's John, Victoria's daughter says. Be thankful you're not a handsome delivery guy, or else you may have seen a lot more of John through that window than you'd have cared to. Oh dear, I say. I walk into the kitchen and pick up the box containing the decorating kit. I take a long last look around before walking back down the hall and outside to the red SUV. I get into the back seat of the Lexus with the decorating kit on my lap. I open the box. Inside I find three triangular cone-shaped icing bags, one pink, one purple, and one blue. There are metal tips attached to each one. In addition to the icing bags are boxes totaling 96 edible flower-shaped candies. I pick up one of the pink bags of icing and begin to decorate the cupcakes, gently squeezing the bag and applying the striated frosting in a circular motion. I've just finished the fourth when the driver's side door opens and Victoria gets into the car. She shuts the door and turns around in the seat as she's buckling herself in. How you doing back there? She asks. ''Okay,'' I say. ''Did you find the candy flowers?'' ''Yes,'' I say. ''Just stick one in the middle of each cupcake. I figure if you screw up any of the frosting, you can use the flower to cover up your mistake,'' Victoria says. ''Okay,'' I say. ''The traffic is lighter now, and we're soon on the highway.'' ''What are these for?'' I ask. ''Birthday party,'' Victoria says. ''You're probably wondering why I didn't just order cupcakes from a bakery or something.'' Truth is, these quote-unquote friends of mine know I'm a woman of means, and in the past they've tended to make a big deal when I've shown up to one of their get-togethers with something pre-made by a professional. They'll never admit to their passive-aggressive jealousies, but I can feel it, you know what I mean? And I've worked too hard for too long to have to endure that kind of pettiness. We're both quiet as I continue to decorate the cupcakes. Won't they give you a hard time when we get there and they find out you paid somebody to decorate the cupcakes in the back of your car on the way, I ask? Victoria laughs at this. They would, except they're not going to find out I paid somebody else to decorate the cupcakes. How's that? I ask. I'm going to drop you off at the library down the street from my friend's home. Uh Aha, I say. I know what you're thinking. Beauty and brains, Victoria laughs. I smile. I use the rest of the pink frosting and begin using the blue. You live in the city? she asks. Yeah, I say. By yourself? No, well, yeah, I say. No? Yeah? Victoria asks. Well, I say, contemplating whether to share my recent drama with this total stranger. I look up and catch Victoria's eyes looking directly into mine in her rearview mirror, waiting for an explanation. Well, I was living with a guy, and it didn't work out, I say, deciding to keep it brief. Oh, I see, Victoria says. It's hard living with somebody. I've been married three times. The last one was the longest, seven years. What happened, I ask. He had a heart attack and died. That was two years ago. After that, my daughter moved in. Now it's just her and I, Victoria says. I'd used the entire bag of blue icing and was now working on the purple. So what happened, Victoria asks. Huh? I say. With the guy you were living with. I'm quiet a moment. For once, I'm actually missing riding in a car with Cheryl. Oh, I'm sorry, Victoria says. Oh, no, it's okay, I say as I gently push a candy flower into the frosting of one of the cupcakes. I didn't mean to imply it was a man you'd been living with. Victoria says, oh, yeah, no, it was a guy, I'm in, I'm into guys, I guess I, uh, I don't think I, uh, oh, did you think I was apologizing for being nosy, Victoria asks, well, yeah, I guess I didn't understand what you were apologizing for, I say, oh, honey, Victoria says, laughing, if you don't want me to talk about it, just tell me to mind my own business, There was no way I was going to tell this woman who I was depending on for a possible tip at the end of this assignment to mind her own business. Victoria and I are quiet for a long moment as I continue to squeeze icing onto the cupcakes, topping each row I finish with the candy flowers. Every once in a while, I look up and catch her glancing at me in the rearview mirror, waiting, I assume, for me to talk about what happened. "'I found out he'd been sleeping with my friend,' I say finally." Oh, honey, that's just awful, Victoria says. I close the box of cupcakes I'd just finished decorating and move it off my lap, exchanging it for the box of undecorated ones. Yeah, it sucks, I say. I feel myself getting emotional again. My cheeks are hot, as if I'm going to cry at any moment. I hold my hands over my face. I feel the car slowing before rolling to a stop. I remove my hands from my eyes. We're in the breakdown lane of the highway. Cars was passed every few seconds. Why are you stopping? I ask. Victoria gets out of the car and opens the back door. She leans inside and holds out a tissue. I take it and dab my eyes. I'm sorry, I say. No, no, Victoria says, I'm sorry. I should have realized you were too nice to tell me to mind my own business. Is this the last box? Victoria asks, pointing to the cupcakes on my lap. Yes, I say. Well, I can't have tears on my cupcakes, Victoria says, smiling. I'm going to start driving again. I'm not going to start driving again until I know you're going to be okay, dear, she says. I'll be okay, I say, swallowing and putting the tear speckled tissue back into Victoria's open hand. She reaches into the car with both arms and gives me a hug around the shoulders. It feels nice. I hold her arm for a long moment. She lets go and gently shuts the door, smiling and winking at me through the window. I force a smile. She gets back into the driver's seat, starts the car, and proceeds toward our destination. I pick up the last cone shake bag of icing and begin-ish, begin to finish decorating the last of the cupcakes. Okay, that was part four of Car Partners, um, written and read by Andy Mascola. The songs we played were District 4, Your Call, and Chill Wave, all by Kevin MacLeod, you can find Kevin's music at incompetech.com. All songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. A uh, link to this license can be found in the, the description of this episode. This has been episode 120. What did I say? 127 or 128? 128, 128 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We love you. Peace.